Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. There in Acts chapter 4, fun facts about this message. Um, I, I came up with this message 26 years ago. I was a 20 year old in Bible college, and I was leading a missions team of Bible college students to the Philippines. And so we spent um, a few months trying to raise support, and I would, um, whenever I, I could, if there was a fellowship meeting, I'd talk to as many pastors as possible or, and, and, and just try to get meetings. And we were, I mean, praise the Lord, I mean, here I am, a 20-year-old nothing, nobody, and able to get in some churches and preach and, and raise support for this uh, missions team of about 10, a, a dozen people uh, to just go to the Philippines for a month and, and just serve God. And... Uh, I had opportunity to, I saw Brother Tomlinson, and he didn't come around a whole lot to the Bible college I was in, but I saw him, and we, we all knew about Brother Tomlinson, and, and you know, you, a lot of you called Brother Tomlinson pastor for, uh, for a couple decades, and, and he's just an ad- admired man, right? Walks into a room, and there's Dwight Tomlinson, right? And I'm not joking, that, that's just, especially for us in Bible college, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a living legend. And so I, you know, I, I just worked up some boldness, and, and I was going to say, and I, I already knew that uh, yeah, they were meeting in this incredible facility, and uh, I didn't know how I would handle preaching here, and so I, I just, I went up to Pastor Thompson, Pastor Thompson, my name is Jane Epimaceno, where uh, we put together a missions team for this summer, we're trying to raise support, would you be interested in having us come preach and sing and, and share our vision for that? And he said no. And, uh, and so this was, this was the message I preached to uh, 15, 20 churches that year as we were raising support, and I didn't have opportunity to preach it here, and now I do. Finally, 26 years later, I have opportunity. Someone let Brother Tomlinson know, he wouldn't remember. I was just nobody, and I'll, I'll text him myself. That's just kind of a fun thing. Finally, here I am, uh, 26 years later. So um, you didn't have opportunity to support us. I'm not bitter or anything. We made it there, but uh, that's, just, that's just how that worked. We're going to bring a message on prayer. Um, when uh, when and Pastor Ryan texted me, and uh, um, and I I was wondering if I could handle it just vocally, but but uh, of course it's it's a joy to be able to do this. And then there's a couple thoughts going in my mind. I mean, Pastor Sammy's just done a, an incredible job with it, and he's an incredible preacher. And so what a bummer you're coming here to hear Pastor Sammy and this message on that. And then you're, it's a letdown. Oh, it's the new guy again. I just heard him, right? And so there's some intimidation, intimidation factor in that. Uh, God brought me to this message pretty quick. And we hope to, to be a blessing as, as we bring this message, praying through times of trouble. Praying through times of trouble. Let, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, uh, I just pray for Pastor Sammy at this moment, Lord, that you give him healing um, in his body, Lord, and that he'd be able to get back to... Um, Serving you, doing the things around, many things around here that he does, God. Thank you for him. Uh, thank you for uh, the the wonderful messages thus far on prayer and and remembering the tabernacle, remembering the um, the the just the privilege of uh, of being in your in your presence, God. And, and I just pray that you seal those thoughts to our hearts. And as we go through this um, passage, God, I pray that you give us um, some good things for our lives, God, and, and just help us. Um, teach us something good for our lives, Lord. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 4, um, verse number 23. We'll start. Let's just read through this story real quick. Acts 4, 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. 
And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine, a vain, thi imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. What a blessing to be able to have this account of what I would say is probably the most powerful prayer meeting that you would see in Scripture. It's incredible. And the, the truth is, it was, it was spurred by persecution from the religious crowd of the day. The persecution is no new thing, right? At the same time, usually when we talk about persecution, really it's, it pales in comparison to things that we have read about in the past, and in particular, things that occurred in Scripture. A few years ago, um, I was door knocking um, for my church in a city called Claremont. My church is in Laverne, about 40 miles from here in the um, Inland Empire, and we were knocking doors of the, the neighboring city of Claremont, which was very, very liberal, very hippie, you know, it's just, it's just one of those places that it's just, it's just a liberal place. You, you know you're going to get some resistance there. So I'm knocking doors. My kids are with me. They're, uh, they're younger. They're, they're junior high at the, at the oldest. And then all of a sudden, as we're, we're in this uh, uh, condominium uh, complex, uh, uh, two police cars drive up. Right, and so they asked. Uh, they asked uh, what what we were doing, and we explained. I had I had my kids and some teenagers from the youth group. Is that we're just inviting people from church, and uh, and the police officer um, separated me from the children, and uh, sat me down on on a curb, and uh, and and took a look at the brochures we were we were giving out. Says so, you know we um, solicit door to door solicitation in Claremont is illegal. And I said, you know, we're not, we're not soliciting, we're not, we're not selling anything, we're just inviting people to church. And uh, we had a, a, a unique brochure, it had a picture of a private jet, um, and, uh, and, and, and a yacht, and, and a nice car, and all, all those things. And, and, and the, the point of the, the, uh, the brochure was that these things don't satisfy, right? So the police officer looks at it and says, well, look, no, you're, you're, you're giving away things. It's like, no, no, we are not giving away private jets. I didn't say it like that, but I wanted to because it was so ridiculous. We are not, we, we're not that kind of church. We can't afford to raffle off yachts and, and private jets and, and Lamborghinis. That's not what happens. No, this is just, I tried to explain what's going on. So, you know, it, it's illegal what you're doing. We need you. Uh, you you're going to have to cease and desist and go to another city. I said, is this America? Are you kidding me? And so I wish, of course, hindsight is 2020, right? And here I am. I'm, I'm just, a, I get a little bit fired up. A lot of you are just, you know, probably like me right now, you're just probably a little bit amped up that how, really, this is, a, you're doing this in America? I wish that I went ahead and knocked the door and I picture it like I'm staring at the police officer. Knock the door, right? Because it was just so ridiculous. I knew something wasn't right. But I, went, I, I got a hold of myself, tried to stay spirit controlled, right? We went ahead and left, went back, to, went to a different city, 
knocked doors, everything was fine, but I was determined to get to the bottom of this thing because it, it just didn't seem right. So the very next day, Monday, I went to the Claremont Police Department and I asked to talk to the watch commander and I told the watch commander what happened. This is the, 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 it, there's a city ordinance that, uh, um, that there's no, to be no door-to-door -door solicitation, but we're not solicit, we're not selling anything, we're not asking for donations, none of that. We are just inviting people to church. Is it, is it, is it actually true that we're not allowed to do that in the city of Claremont? And the watch commander apologized to me. He said, I am so sorry. My police officer, our police officers are not supposed to do that. You are not soliciting, you're inviting people to church. You're, you're, you have every right to do that. Um, and I will send an email to all my officers explaining the city ordinance better, right? And so, of course, truth and the American way and liberty and religious freedom prevailed, right? And uh, of course, as, as I look back, I say, you know, there, there's some things, you know, that are worth really fighting for, right? There's some things, and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about our preferences, right, our sports teams. I'm not, I'm not talking about things like that, but there are certainly some really important things that are worth fighting for and standing up for, and there are certain things that are really, they're worth going to jail over, right? I couldn't imagine things being so bad, but if, if our country made it illegal to own a Bible, then we're going to jail. Right? I mean, that, that's one that we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna um, compromise on that. Obviously, there's some things that we, we, can, we can tweak in our ministry and we can do a little bit different, but there are some things that no, absolutely not. We're not gonna budge on those things. But really, as, as, I, as I say something like that, I mean, there, there's no way that's gonna happen in America, right? But even right now in 2021, what people vote for, what people want, the things that government is trying to do. I couldn't have ever imagined that 20 years ago. I mean, there's no way. If you told me these things would be happening, these would be possibilities, I would say, no way, you're, you're crazy. You're just, I mean, you're overreacting. And, and we seem to be inching closer and closer to, to some a little bit more legitimate persecution. And so what we have here is a prayer meeting that's been inspired by persecution. And, and, and so I'd like to just give some principles, show some principles here of how we should pray through times of trouble. In Acts chapter 3, an incredible miracle occurred. There's a man who was lame from birth that was sitting at the temple, the beautiful temple, and all he could do was sit there and beg. Somebody would walk by and he'd beg him for food. Another person would walk by, he'd beg him for money. Another person would walk by, he'd beg him for clothes. And then Peter and John came to pray, right? At the, at the hour of prayer, they go walking by, and it's no different. This lame man, uh, this person who couldn't walk, he was set there by his friend or family. Same thing for Peter, Peter and John. Hey, would you give me something? Would you give me some gold? Would you give me some silver? Would you, would you give me some food? All he could do was beg. And then Peter and John looked to him, silver and gold have I none, right? But such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hey, and then we sing that song as children and we lead that song but what an amazing story that is. Hey, Peter and John, they didn't have um, anything of worth, of earthly worth to give him, but they had something more, and it was the power of Jesus Christ. 
And so Peter um, took him by the right hand, and the Bible says that immediately his, his feet and his ankle bones re received strength, and he stood for the first time, and he was so excited and so pumped up. The Bible says that he went walking and leaping and praising God, went into the temple with them, and guess what? That, that walking and leaping and praising God was seen by many and there was wonder and amazement that spread throughout this crowd. It could not be denied that this man had a miracle in his life. Wow. But there was a crowd that did not like what happened. And interestingly, it was a religious crowd. And the problem they had was that this, it was done in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, they, they got together to figure out what they could do about this. They couldn't deny the miracle. Everybody knew this guy was, was, was lame from birth, that he couldn't walk. And all of a sudden, his feet and ankle bones received strength. This was done in Jesus Christ. They couldn't deny it. So what, what did they try to do? They tried to suppress it. They tried to keep the message from going out and forbid them from speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter and John, they pushed back. Right, and and they they preach this incredible. Uh, Peter preaches this incredible message in Acts chapter four, and he preaches boldly. He takes this opportunity to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to the point, and and I think it's verse number thirteen of chapter four, where the men marveled because they knew Peter and John were unlearned and ignorant men. These aren't people who went to. Um, uh, to the highest se uh, seminaries or, or had great educations or things like that. These were simple men. And here they are performing these miracles and speaking great truths with incredible power and eloquence. And they marveled at that. Hey, they couldn't deny this thing. So they tried to suppress it and says, and threaten them, the Bible says, don't ever speak in the name of Jesus Christ ever again. They let Peter and John, and, and John go. They went back to their own company, the Bible says, in verse number 23. Look at that. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had sent unto them. Gathered everybody together, says, guys, this is what's happened. We are being told we were threatened to never, to not speak in the name of Jesus Christ ever again. Verse number 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. Should be what are our first reactions in times of trouble, right? What are our first reactions? And 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 don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not we, we, we shouldn't be in the habit of condemning ourselves um, too harshly because we are human. And a lot of times when trou troubling times come, difficult seasons come, I mean we 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 ask some hard questions of God. And a lot of times that's that natural part of the process of figuring things out. And, and we can see in Scripture that God is understanding of this flesh, right? You just read the book of Job. He's going through, he's not just having a hard day, right? Job's going through a very painful, difficult season, and he asked some hard questions of God. Now, he needed to be corrected, but at the end of it, he was still blessed mightily by God, right? So let's not forget that. God knows what we are. But what is our... What is our first? What, what is our reaction? What is our knee-jerk to difficulty? Our knee-jerk should be prayer, right? To go to prayer, certainly pray to God individually, but here we see this corporate time of prayer where the church, the believers come together and have a prayer meeting, and there are 
times where, yes, of course, we pray individually. We have our, our prayer closets and we go to God ourselves, but there are times of great need and great urgency to believers that we corporately gather and pray and ask God for something really, really important. And so I'd like to take a look at what this prayer meeting looked like. First, first thing, we see that they approached in unity. Number one, they approached in unity. Look at verse number 24 again. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. With one accord. It means they went unanimously. It means there was a, a, a unification. There was something that brought them together and they came with one accord. Now, now here's the nice thing about being new. If there's any drama in the church, I don't know about it. Right? I don't know about it. All right? So this isn't coming from a place of me trying to put out fires. And I just don't, I don't get that sense at all. I mean, this, it feels like a healthy church. And, and, and it feels like, obviously, a loving church and all that. Praise God for it. Um, but at the same time, we're human. Right? And, and stuff's going to come up. And we're going to butt heads with people. And there's, there are going to be there are going to be people that we're naturally drawn to, and there's going to be other people that, as much as lieth within us, we are going to live peaceably with, right? I mean, that's an important principle in Scripture. It's there for a reason because we are people, and there's tend to be some friction. But you know, it takes some humility to say, okay, well, I don't want some church drama or some uh, some things that really aren't important as far as um, the, the scope of eternity is to get in the way of uh, the power of our prayers to God, and that we are going to put aside some differences or put aside some petty things so that when we go to God in prayer, our prayers are not hindered. Right, And we're living in a time where we, we need God so bad. Of course, through all of eternity, we, there's always been a need for God. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, but there's certainly no doubt that, hey, there are some, some really dark things starting to occur in our society, right? And if we're going to get a hold of the power of God, this needs to be a church that God looks down upon and, and sees unity. He sees a church family that's in one accord, and that we could be unanimous in this, that we are going to stand for Christ, but we need his power. There's going to be some resistance. There's going to be some opposition of some sort. But if we're going to get through that, if we're going to push through that, if we're going to be victorious through that, we need God's blessing and power. And if we're going to pray for that, I hope that God sees unity in this church family in this church family. So important that even while Jesus Christ was still on earth, right, he gave instructions of how we deal with differences and with, with drama, right? He, 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 gives, he, he gave those instructions as far as going to people privately, right? And so there's, there's a way for us to do that, to be able to protect and preserve the unity of this church. They approached in Unity. You know, the Bible says that there's a, a psalm, behold, you know, that word is, man, look at this. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity. There's a power in unity. There's one thing I, I, I love about sports and and uh, uh, playing football, even from from, uh, from Pop Warner all the way through um, through high school, and you get people that never hung out at school, it would never be friends, 
but they have this one goal to win games, to win a championship, and all these different personalities. And, and even where it was there in Southeast San Diego, Morse High School, you had people from different gangs. But you get in the, on the football field and in the locker room, because there's this one goal that unifies them, all of that is put away. And it really becomes like a family. Never hang out outside of, uh, outside of football and would never be friends, would never choose one another. But because there was this common goal to get this thing done, man, there was a love and there was a brotherhood to that. And so if we're united in a goal, that's why it's so important to connect, to be a part, to truly, that, that this place isn't a place you just attend, it's a place where we belong. And then that we're, we're just part of this thing, this family, this amoeba almost, uh, this, this organism that's going forward for Christ. And that's what unifies us. There's power in that. And there's power in prayer just in that. They approached God in unity. But you look at verse number 25. Here's Heather, well, look, 24, continue on there. Lord, thou art the... the Verse 24, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Look at their, their prayer. They're going all the way back to the beginning. They're talking to God about God, right? And they go all the way from the beginning. You're the creator. Look at verse number 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Right? Who's going to speak against God? Verse number 26. And the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And so they're, they're, they're looking back to what they know about the Old Testament, what they know about God, that he's the creator. There have been people that have raged against God. There have been kings and rulers that have uh, raised their fists to God, right? But still, they knew that God was the and is the king. So number two, they acknowledged God's power. They acknowledged God's power. You know what this does? It sets the tone for our prayers. Because... It's too easy when, when we're facing some difficulty and we go to God, it's, you know, we feel like it's an emergency, but let's remember there's, there's never an emergency meeting in heaven. There's not. But so we go to God and we might go to God in a panic, right? But if we start off with this, rehearsing God's power, acknowledging it, go all the way to the beginning, he created all of this. It sets a victorious tone to our prayers. That's really important because I think too often, I mean, you imagine being God and listening to some of our prayers through the years, right? Through, through, through the years. It would just be like, you know, God is listening to Eeyore, right? I mean, we're just, we're, we're negative. We're down. You know, we're ho-hum, right? But a prayer like this, what a pattern to just start talking to God about who he is, what he's done, the victories he's brought. And then right away, our prayers, the tone of our prayer is set with this victorious sense and not a negative one, 
not a labored one. And then all of a sudden, prayer is exciting. And it's not something that's heartbreaking. And don't get me wrong, there are times that we go to God and we cry, and, and that's okay. But in particular, when there's some resistance to our Christian life, there's some deep trouble there. Hey, go to God about Him first, and let it set the tone of victory in our prayers. They acknowledged God's power. Look at verse number 27. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel will gather together, verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be, to be done. And so here's their prayer. It says, your, your holy child Jesus, you anointed, but also these people, these vile, filthy people, Raise their hands against him. But 28 is the key. To do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You see, this world wasn't going to touch Jesus had not God allowed that to happen. It wasn't going to happen. So number three, they affirmed God's control. God was control of that whole thing. You understand God was control was in control at Calvary, right? God was in control on the road to Calvary. He was in control this whole time. He was in control when Jesus Christ, his son, his only begotten son was on trial. God was in control of that. You understand when 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 uh, when uh, Jesus Christ was su subjected to, to vile, filthy Roman soldiers who, who plucked his, uh, his beard and, and cleared their throat and spat upon his face and, and placed a crown of thorns um, on his head. Do you understand? May we remember that God was in control that whole time. And so even today, 2020, as crazy it was, 2021, it seems like it's not settling down, right? God is in control. He's in control. And so if there's no emergency meeting in heaven, should there be an emergency here? Yes, let's, let's give ourselves grace to be human, but at the same time, let's catch ourselves when we're in emergency mode, and then we pray victoriously knowing who God is, and then not just that. Knowing he's powerful, but he's in control of this whole thing. He is in control. So they affirmed God's control in Psalm 77, it's a message that I preach on Mental Health Sundays. There, there's a man named Asaph who's struggling with depression. It's very clear. But he says this in Psalm 77, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. An interesting statement. Asaph said that part of his healing is that he was going to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Well, what's that all about? Well, most of us are, are right-handed, right? Some of you are left-handed. That's okay. But some, I mean, most of us are right-handed. So this is where we have control, right? This is where we write, all right? Well, I, like, I will talk about football a lot while I'm preaching. It's just I, I love football, all right? And so um, as a, as a right-handed man, if I throw a football, you know, I use my right hand. Then uh, even though I'm, I'm an old man of 46 years old, you know, I still have a little bit of control there. I have a little bit of uh, decent form, but if I try to throw a football with my left hand, then I throw like a girl all of a sudden, right? It's just I just don't have the control with, with my left hand. The control is over here. The control and strength is with my right hand, just naturally. And that's what Asab is talking about. So I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. That's what I'm going to dwell on. 
So there are times in our lives where, um, where, where we just knew it was explosively evident that God was just in control. Thank God for those days, for those years, because there's going to be times that, that feel chaotic and feel like we, we can't control, and, and that's fine. When, when we can't control what's going on around us, we can still know and find peace if we meditate on this fact that God is in control, even though I'm not in control of what's going on. God is in control, right? And so in these times, these deep, dark times of trouble, then often what will help us is just to remember those years and go back to those seasons when we're in a difficult season right now. You know what? There was a time over here where I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills, but God came through, and that'll remind us that, you know, God can. God did back then. He can do so right now as well, and that could lend some comfort in times of trouble they affirmed God's control. Number four, look at verse number 29. Verse number 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. So number four, they asked for boldness. They asked for boldness. And here's the incredible thing about this. Remember what they were forbidden to do was to preach in Jesus' name. And so what was their request? For boldness to preach in Jesus' name. Wow. You know, we're really quick to ask God to take away the hardship. We are really quick to do that. And, and don't get me wrong, I understand it. I've, I've begged God to take away some really difficult things in my life. I have. But I read this here. And, you know, they had an important mission, right? They're not asking God for something gratuitous or, you know, self-serving. They're asking God to further the kingdom of God, to get the gospel out. And I think today our knee-jerk, yes, let's go to prayer, but our knee-jerk is like, God, would you, would you hold the government at bay? Would you keep them from, 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 from overreach, God? Just, God, would you, would you stop the government? And this church, this baby, fledgling church, that wasn't their first request, Government said, people in power said, don't preach in Jesus' name. And they did not ask God to take away that government ordinance. They asked God for boldness to do the opposite. Wow. Wow. And so here's the thing. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to ask God to take away the difficulty because it's in those times of difficulty where we do the most growing and we really get to know Jesus the most. Now, there's an incredible but really difficult to understand concept of fellowshipping with Jesus through suffering. And the Bible talks about knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection, right? We all want that resurrection power, but also says the fellowship of his suffering. Understand, we fellowship with Jesus Christ in a much more intimate way when we're suffering, we do. The Bible says, God says, he is near to the brokenhearted. It's when your heart is aching that God is the most near to us. That's amazing. And so maybe let's not be so quick to, God, would you take away this difficulty? Would you take away this resistance? Would you take away this persecution? I'm not saying those are wrong, but their first thing wasn't for God to take away the difficulty, was for boldness and power to get through the difficulty. Because it's in those valley times that we do grow. 
And I know, I get it. I've done it myself. God, get me out of this valley. But maybe our prayer should be, God, would you give me power through this valley? God, and here's, here's been my prayer through some hard times. Is God, I, I certainly I, I wouldn't mind being out of this valley right now. But if there's some things I need to learn, God, give me the grace to be in here as long as you need to mold me in this thing. And those are difficult prayers to, prayer, to pray when you want to get out of that thing. But there are just some, and you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have lived a Christian life for some time, you know that it's in those valleys, those dark times where you really get to know Jesus, right? And so maybe first thing, let's not ask God to take away the difficulty, but for power and grace through the difficulty. They asked God for boldness. And then lastly, would you look at verse number 30, 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the filling of the Holy Ghost caused them to speak the word of God with boldness. Verse number 32. And the multitude of them, multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Number five, they acted with great power and grace. They acted with, and not, not that it was an act, that the actions they took were with great power and grace. They asked God for it. They asked God for boldness. And what happened? I mean, the Holy Spirit came down in such an explosive way and manifested through their message of boldness, uh, uh, giving te testifying to the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And they proclaimed him even in the face of this adversity. So God answered the request for boldness. And you know, once again, you know, this thing started much like the message I preached to the teenagers this morning in chapel, that message about desiring more. It started with personal accountability and ended with personal accountability, actually. And this prayer meeting, it starts with unity and it ends with unity. It, it, it's amazing. Verse 32 again, and, and the multitude of them that, were, that, that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought things, they, they all possessed, um, they, they had all things common, and, and, and Pastor um, really hit this in, in a wonderful way Sunday, um, and we're, we're not talking about socialism here, but it's the idea that, yeah, we, we depend on, on one another, we're, we are a family, and we're going to take care of one another, and, and uh, there's a bigger thing than just me. Right? There's a, there's a whole big grand mission that I get to be a part of, and I'm going to use my resources into this, and it's not forced, uh, um, uh, forced generosity. It's, it's, it's unforced generosity. It's, and this is a wonderful thing where we know, hey, we've got a world to reach, and I'm going to use some of my resources well towards that end. And so in this time of trouble and persecution, they asked God, that boldness and God granted it to them. But I think it just, it had to exceed their expectations in it. Because verse 33 says, and with great power mm, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Oh, how we need the grace of Jesus Christ, right? Grace is not just 
a part of salvation. It's grace is what we live in every single day and how we need the grace of God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And just as you know, each and every one of us are gifted in different ways and have different natural abilities, I, I don't have that natural ability to, uh, to just talk to people. But I know I have a command to share my faith, right? I know I have a command. It's a little bit, it's extra effort for me as opposed to that extrovert who just can talk to anybody about the Lord. And I, to be honest, I, I covet that. When I see that in other people, it's more effort for me, but I know I have a command. And so I just, I need to ask God for that boldness. And how about you? It makes you a little bit more nervous is the thought of talking to people about Jesus or standing up for standing up uh, uh, for Jesus, standing up for your faith, making that known in the workplace or, or, or wherever that may be, and it makes you a little bit nervous. That's okay. That's okay. Go to God. Ask Him. Ask Him. You can see great power and great grace through each and every one of us and through this church. How to pray in times of trouble. Hey, they approached in unity. Let, let's, let's make sure we're, we're a united people. We're truly a family in God. They acknowledged God's power. Let that drive and set the tone for your prayers. Let our prayers be victorious. And if we, we acknowledge God's power, that, that'll, that'll drive that tone. They affirmed God's control just, just knowing all these events that are occurring around us, God is in control, right? They asked God for boldness. They didn't ask God to take away the difficulty. They asked God for power through the difficulty. Then they acted with great power and great grace. How to pray in times of trouble. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.